HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. The following program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery. Kane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. For more information, visit www.kane5.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio. I'm your host. I'm your host, David Bolte, and in the studio today, I have the lovely Dana Hell from the Island Creek Oyster Farm in Duxbury, Massachusetts. Welcome to the show, Dana. Good day, Damon. Good day to you too. <laughs> um, so, two of my favorite things in the uh, in well in the world are uh, obviously drinking and eating oysters. And today we're going to talk about uh, those two beautiful things coming together and making us all very very happy. Um, I. Uh, I have my own opinions on uh, certain drinks that I like to pair with uh, with oysters, as do other people. Obviously, the classic ones are, you know, French white wines, yeah. vodka, uh, champagne, champagne, and um, you know, I like brandy and I like tequila. And Sounds like you like everything. I like everything. I like everything. <laughs> I don't. I don't really go for the vodka uh, with uh, with the oyster pairing, but I have yeah. before, and it's it's pretty pretty good way to go. Some um, people do the the oyster inside of the vodka, which I find sort of that's kind of weird. It's kind of a bummer, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a super bummer. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's you know obviously there's that that style of like oyster shooters, mm-hmm. which typically tend to be like some sort of like Bloody Mary variation in a small shot. Exactly, and the reason a lot of us don't love that is because it masks the flavor it of the oyster. The so yeah. it's sort of like the point of eating an oyster raw, is so you can really you know get that flavor and exactly. when you cover it in cocktail sauce or bloody mary mix right yeah it sort of shifts becomes something else yeah so. and even like fried oysters it's the same kind of the same thing you know totally perfect for schwappy oysters yeah but when yeah. you're talking about a you know sort of a pedigreed puritanical 
New England snooty, delicious <laughs> morsel. Yeah. You just want to kill it raw and eat it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, you can save the, uh, the, the deep frying and the charbroiling for, you know, when you're in New Orleans at Acme. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I've put down, you know, I've Lots put down my fair share of yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. So tell us about uh, Island Creek. Island Creek is an oyster farm that's four and a half hours north um, inside of the Cape Cod Bay. It's an exceptional place to grow oysters because it is um, very clean. So there's no large industrial center anywhere near it. And oysters filter up to 50 gallons of water a day. So one oyster, 50 gallons. It's pretty uh, unbelievable when you really think about those numbers. And so it's really important that your water is clean, very clean, because you're literally eating whatever is in the water. Um, The other reason that Duxbury is sort of exceptional is that it has what we call an 11-foot tidal range. And that means literally 11 feet of water drop out of the bay twice a day um, at the low tides. So um, that means that the new water that comes in, 70% of that water is brand new and full of algae, and it's cold, and the oysters love to eat, and it plumps them up really fast. And when the water is cold, um, it means the oysters don't spawn. And spawning is basically just the oysters having sex. So <laughs> I know what spawning means. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone does. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, so they when the waters get warm, they put more energy into sex than they do into food. Hmm. You know, it's kind of I, it relates very closely to our jacuzzi conversation earlier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so so when the bay is very cold, uh, they never spawn, and that means their flesh stays sort of tender, but um, not I don't know like crisp. Almost is a word people use, hmm. so you can really sort of bite into it. It's got like a good tooth feel. Yeah. And uh, so when you when I last saw you... There's was, so much to talk we about. We got a lot to talk about. I mean, it's... <laughs> when I last saw you, um, you uh, came to my bar, Prime Meats, and I uh, did a presentation for the staff, which was great. And uh, Yeah, it was great for me. It was like 20 men in lumberjack outfits, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> none of whom were lumberjacks, actually. <laughs> well, you're, you don't know. You're all just posing. You didn't talk to everyone. <laughs> it was a good look, though. <laughs> but uh, so, what have you been up to since then? You just you, your job. You tend to travel around. You deal with a lot of the restaurants that uh, use your your oysters. Yeah, we. Um, it's kind of crazy oysters. It gets you into a lot of sort of funky situations. And um, let's see, we we recently the Island Creek. Family is sort of a hodgepodge of insane people. Most of us are actually from Duxbury. I was raised right on Island Creek, oh, wow. um, and I live there now. And uh, but they definitely know how to have a good time. Uh, we recently opened up a restaurant of our own called the Island Creek Oyster Bar. Mm-hmm. And you said you knew the bartender Jackson, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they so they put us up. We had a, a farm in, outing. Boston. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, it's in Boston in Kenmore Square, and it's pretty pretty awesome place we're pretty happy with it and uh every once in a while we motivate out of duxbury so it's about a 45 minute drive and uh this la- this recent time we had a little staff outing uh which included a large party bus which carried 20 people so nice. yeah party we, bus. <laughs> <laughs> we headed up in the party bus and uh we sat down at the restaurant and we had a long banquet table right in the middle of the restaurant everyone you know it was everyone was kind of like 
who are they? You know? <laughs> yeah. It was like fancy time for the farmers. And we had a very large, to my eyes, suckling pig on one end of the table. And then on the right side of the table, we had, I would guess it's about a 35 to 40 pound uh, striper. Wow. Whole cooked. So just a beautiful striped bass, um, which tasted, if you haven't had that in a while, really just reminded me how much I love that fish. And then in the center, we had a silver tray placed in front of us with 30 shots of fernet. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. It, it, it got very ugly. I'm sure. It got, it got, it's I, kinda, I have a few regrets. <laughs> but I was really happy that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm smart enough and I'm, I'm wise enough that I didn't go to the strip club after hours because there were a few people who did that. And then they were sort of abandoned by the bus and kind of wandering around Boston. Oh, like, no. <laughs> well, these people from Duxbury in yep. Boston. Yep. Taxi cab going. ride home. Yeah. How much was that? It was all, you know, it was only like 125 bucks. Oh, that's cool. All things considered, you know. Oh, man. Could have been worse. Yeah. But, much worse. <laughs> yeah. But they, um, you know, people that are involved with oysters, probably a lot like people that are involved and love good liquor, um, they're sort of excessive and eccentric. Mm-hmm. And that ends up um, sort of creating a strange atmosphere uh, yeah. in which they're consumed. That makes sense to me. I mean, especially with so many places, restaurants and, and bars, uh, established places have been around for a long time, starting to bring on oyster programs and also like new places that have popped up, you know, like Maison Premier and even Primeats and a bunch of other places. Yep. Um, uh, new places that start out with pretty killer, like, oyster programs and raw bar programs. It just makes sense, like, the citric, like you said, uh, this people like, that are into the cocktails and into... It, it is very... It's, it's also a very, like, kind of a luxurious thing, you know? Not everyone... It is. It is. Well, what, one way someone described it to me, which actually when they were describing Maison, and they were describing Christoph, the um, proprietor, that he was saying, you know, he's a collector. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that was the perfect word for me, because it's like, yeah, whether it's, you know, okay, so we collect records, or we collect eccentric varieties of oyster or mm-hmm. smaller batches of liquor. FYI, this is an amazing <laughs> experience here. Oh yeah, um, we should we've been talking about oysters for 10 minutes I'm, and we haven't had one yet. I'm drinking away anyways. Um oh yeah, please have one. Cool. But but it is it's really a it's really a collector sort of thing. Um We're eating we're eating oysters now and it's So we should talk about we I don't want to forget. Oh my god, that was delicious. I don't want to forget like how important it is to talk about my favorite thing about oysters, which is that um, when you eat an oyster at an excellent place, um, they're opening them mm-hmm. as you're ordering them. And when you sever the adductor muscle, which is the muscle that holds the oyster together, the oyster is still alive after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so ideally, you're eating the oyster when it's still living. And there's some very interesting quality that one um, acquires when one is eating a living being. Yeah, it's not just because I'm a yoga teacher. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, when I first started eating oysters, which is about, I hate to say it, but I mean, being from, being from, you know, a small town in Oklahoma, uh, you know, the closest thing we were going to get were Gulf oysters and you don't necessarily mm-hmm. want those, uh, unless they're, you know, like we were talking about earlier and, you know, deep fried or, <laughs> or some other preparation. Um, but I didn't start eating oysters until I moved to New York City, and then when I finally discovered them, like 
I guess four years ago, um, I just went crazy with them. And it's kind of like the first time you uh, do anything. <laughs> do what? <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah. It, first time you do anything, it's always kind of like the best. Anything. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I remember just going crazy and having like, like at least a dozen and a half or two dozen of them. And I never will forget that like kind of crazy endorphin rush from doing that, you know, like having that, first of all, that many oysters in a seat in a setting, but also just like the way it makes you feel. It's crazy. It's like, it's very energizing. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of people chalk it up to the sort of like a genital likeness of the oyster, Ew. which <laughs> I was never really sold on that concept. Um, but the but the the fact that it's actually a living creature and um, like we were talking about earlier, um, oh, hear making, that? I'm making hear some that? Um, <laughs> it's what were we talking about earlier? Oh, that when you have you know two or three, which is great, uh, you may notice something. But when you start to work into ten, twenty, thirty, like if you come up to the farm, which everyone is welcome to, um, I, I will definitely <laughs> be doing that because we're up there and we do farm tours and. We have a what we call an oysterplex. We were actually just featured in Food and Wine magazine mm-hmm. um, in July. Our oysterplex was sort of the focal point for the story about how it's it's basically a garage um, on a dock it's in like the middle of the garage, bay. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's a floating it's a floating garage with solar panels, and uh, we often just kind of pull up there and have drinks and have oysters. and And when you're sitting on the plex and you have like twenty to thirty oysters, a couple drinks, that's, it has a yeah. That's and, living. Yeah, we had recently we had um, an oyster stout brewed for us by Harpoon, so we had ex- excessive amounts of that stout yeah. around, <laughs> which felt sort of strange in the summer, I have to say. But see, that's something that I've always wondered. Like, I never really got the connection, and like we were talking about before the show, like I never really got the connection of stouts and oysters, but it seems to be a popular pairing. And I, I don't know, you know, I like cognac with with oysters, but. A lot of people would say that's weird too. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, what's is it just like a super traditional thing to have? And where, where the hell did that come from anyway? Was it was it just by accident? I don't really know. I have to say. I mean, there's something about a stout that I don't I don't know the exact words, but it's not like a sweet, heavy thing. There's like yeah. that that sort of uh, restrained quality to them. You know what I mean? It's almost like a palate. I mean, I, I get this. So it sort of works. Yeah. So I think it sort of works. It doesn't kill the oyster in that way. Like if you had a crazy hoppy California beer, it would just, right. It would just overwhelm even the brine or any of the experience you're having. But, um, so that's, that's one guess, but, um, you know, I'm from new England. So a lot of like a lot of some some of the traditions that we find we have which we think are so interesting and new are really just like scottish or british traditions right, right. you yeah. know so it's sort of transparent like oh yeah well you were drinking a lot of guinness exactly and you were eating a lot yeah. of oysters you know so it could be as as sort of simple as that yeah cool but, but like we said before i mean there's a lot of different ways to eat and drink um you know with oysters and like stout really works but a great pilsner like a really light yeah. pilsner is great and this cognac is <laughs> I mean, it's good this right makes a lot of sense Where'd yeah you, yeah i mean like Here, uh, please have more yeah, oysters yeah i'm totally going to have one we should be eating like we should have at least yeah we got to crush each. at least yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah this we're actually we're drinking the uh, it's a 50 year old hardy cognac 
um, which it's I tragic. just brought. Yeah, it's we're having a terrible time here in the studio <laughs> today, but it's cool because the fruit of this cognac is actually dropped out a lot. It's still there, but like that overly sweetened kind of thing that a lot of people like the caramely kind of thing that people really associate with cognac is kind of dropped out. And the finish of this is actually very clean and very long. So it is in its own way, like a palate cleanser. And that's why I, that's why I like cognac with oysters. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about what we're doing right now, I mean, we just should keep going on it to see what keeps happening as it evolves. But these oysters are, are slightly warm. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been in my cooler. They're fine. But um, when you have a warmish oyster, like, there's more flavor. So it's kind of, it has this gamey sort of like, whoo, damn, you know, yeah. hello. Yeah. But um, but you also, you f- get to fully experience like the actual flavor of the oyster. And that's pretty nice with this cognac. Like it's pretty, right? there's a yeah. lot happening. A lot going on. Yeah, here. but it's a lot of good, good stuff. It's the same thing as a, uh, you know, like, like white wine. People drink it just super super cold but it's really nice to like let it warm up so you can actually get the exactly and i think with oysters a lot of people people shy away from that primarily because they taste like they're from the ocean yeah and if you don't like that you don't want to taste them you know i mean they are one of the truest expressions of the water yeah absolutely it's like a little cup of ocean (laughs) it is (laughs) let's take a let's take a quick break and when we get back we'll be joined again Still by Dana Hell from Island Creek Oyster Farm. Yeah. You're listening to The Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. In the studio today, we have Dana Hell from Island Creek Oyster Farm in Duxbury, Massachusetts. We've been talking about oysters and cocktails and pairings and and actually enjoying all those things, too, at the same time. And, of course, our producer, Jack Inslee, thought it'd be funny to play Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> uh, and I made a cocktail while we were on the break, too. Um, and I guess I'm going to call this one the more cowbell cocktail. Um, this one is uh, something like a lot of people will 
typically pair a uh, like you were saying earlier, like vodka, gin, but you know, obviously martinis. And so mm-hmm. I just made a, a quick little variation on a uh, on a martini. Actually, this one's like kind of a variation on a classic cocktail called the Fourth Degree. A um, couple ounces of Tanqueray gin, one ounce of Coquille Americano, which is kind of similar to the original Lille Blanc recipe. A couple dashes of uh, Chartreuse gra- uh, Grain Elixir Vegetal, and then lemon zest, and very very vegetal herbaceous and it's working okay with this with these oysters but i'm gonna go back to the cognac no i think well uh, one interesting thing about pairing uh, any alcohol with oysters is that we talk about oysters as if they're one thing mm-hmm. but there are so many different things right. and you know a west coast oyster can be can taste like fruity pebbles and have no brine and <laughs> You know, so um, it can be. Oh. Get it? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So, a West Coast oyster can have this fruity taste, and then an East Coast oyster can have a strong brine. Or, um, in the case of Island Creek, the way we generally describe the oyster is that it has a, a brinier uh, up front, and then in the middle, there's sort of things happening. Um, but there's kind of a pause, and then at the end, you start to work on the adductor muscle, and the sweetness at the end starts to really yeah. reveal itself. And so that is to say there's so many different um, types of oysters and flavors of oysters, so what would work with, with the cognac wouldn't work with this amazing drink that you made, which is pretty, I think it works really well, actually. Oh, cool. um, and I'm not just kissing your ass because, you know, we're on the radio. And, <laughs> um, but, yeah, so so it really depends. I know. <laughs> So it really depends on um, on the, the where you're getting your oyster from, and even the temperature as well. Like we were talking about mm-hmm. before the break, you know, you get. I used to uh, manage a, a Japanese bar, and you know, like the different levels of temperature for sake. You know, you can get right. totally different flavors out of right. the same sake. But it's true with any kind of wine or spirit. You know, at the same time, even you know when you put a little bit of water into a spirit, it really breaks up. Breaks down the chemicals or not the chemicals, <laughs> the, the compounds, and it makes the spirit blossom. Right. And yeah, it's really it's really neat to try these paired together, especially in a city like New York City. We were talking about earlier, you know, with uh, so many cocktail bars, with raw bars, and how it's become more and more of a, an accessible thing, and also. Um, there's just so much more education on it, you know, along with any kind of food nowadays. And like, like I was saying before, you know, like you came into Prime Eats and did a nice presentation. The uh, the the oysterplex was one of my favorite parts of the uh, of the presentation. It's kind of cool, like in a city like New York. Going back to that, it's like we have like access to really great food, really great oysters, really great spirits and cocktails. And there's a really great book by. Um, Mark Kurlansky. Mark Kurlansky, the big oyster. The big oyster. And it's yeah. about New York City back it's about in the day. Oysters. Yeah. Well, it's kind of it's kind of like as much about New York City as it is about oysters. Right. And what's beautiful about that is that the two grew, you know, grew so steadily or existed so steadily together for so long that a history of New York is a history of oysters, and a history of oysters is a history of New York. Yeah, it it was like one of the cool things in that book that I find is like how the the East River used to freeze over so much, and people would just actually walk out on the river and grab oysters. Yeah, we still do that in the Duxbury Bay. We the river freeze. Uh, sorry, the ocean freezes over 
um, but we need to harvest. So we actually walk out onto the ice and we take chainsaws and we open up the ice and Rad. literally <laughs> stick our hands down and pull out oysters from the ice. Totally dangerous, not chainsaws. advised. But but it's uh, the Big Oyster is a really an incredible book. It gives you such an appreciation for. I mean, literally, uh, there were piles of oysters. People just picked oysters right from the ocean. They were basically sticking out of the water. They were so abundant. Um, they I don't, were big, too. They were huge. They were huge. I don't know if you've heard of this project in Gowanus. Um, I forget the name of it, but they're putting oysters back into the Gowanus River. Are and you it, kidding me? I live like a half a block from there. That's so weird. Yeah, it's I, a, it's I have a, no idea. It's a big project. Um, there's a talk on Ted. Hmm. Good old Ted about it. Yeah. And, um, and they're actually p- throwing a bunch of oysters in there in an attempt to clean it out. So the oysters will be filtering the water. Of course, nobody will be consuming those oysters because right. that would be a really bad idea. But um, but Use they do for have bait the, for fishing. <laughs> no, that would. All, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those oysters will like glow in the dark at this yeah, point, exactly. you know. But but they're cleaning they're cleaning the water, and yeah. the oysters do have that uh, regenerative regenerative. Damn, maybe it's the cognac. <laughs> maybe it's the cognac. <laughs> I'll blame that. Um, they have that capability. Yeah, um, which is kind of neat. Although That's... the farmers of Duxbury, when they saw that TED talk, I, I made them all watch it, of course, and they were all like. That's bull. Can I say shit? You, bull- you say bullshit. Okay, you say whatever you want. Okay, that's bullshit. You can say fuck. Um, <laughs> okay. Whatever you want. That's fucking bullshit. What the fuck, <laughs> motherfucker? No. Um, they they were kind of laughing at it because they thought, okay, yeah, in another like two millennia, I'm sure that river will be clean. But I yeah. felt like, why be skeptical? I think that's like an amazing thing. It's a really thing interesting idea doing. for cleaning up Absolutely. the Guanajuato. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and when you, okay, I, w- I want to go back to this. Like, when you talk about farming oysters, like, being on an oyster farm what does that all entail i'd like to talk a little bit more about the process of that yeah so there's um basically there are oysters do grow wild so there's that um but we we ate a lot of them in the 1800s and early 1900s we we enjoyed the hell out of oysters to the extent that we we consumed them all and we procreated and we dominated the earth um (laughs) so uh, we find ourselves in a position where we're, we're starting to farm oysters. And uh, one of the best things about that is it's one of the most sustainable ways to eat shellfish or seafood in existence today is uh, farmed oysters. Um, and basically, it's just like any farm. We, we buy seed. The, seed is, the oysters are the size of a pepper flake. They're grown in hatcheries where the water is warm and there's algae constantly being pumped through and there's special like mood music. That nice. only oysters. <laughs> that only oysters it's can very hear. Very sexy, yeah. <laughs> um, and so then we buy the seed, and we uh, we put the seed in what we call an upweller. So it's basically a set of window screens underwater, and the water just comes through the window screens. The oysters eat and eat and eat, and they basically they grow about twenty times their size in about a month. And then we put them in cages for another three months, and that's basically so nobody can eat them. They grow to about the size of a silver dollar, um, and then at that point, a little bit bigger. Uh, we throw them on the boat, and we take a snow shovel. We drive the boat around, and we throw them overboard, and that's where they sit for the next year and a half. Wow. Um, and then when we harvest them, uh, literally we walk around. Like today, we had a really low tide in the morning, and we walked around and we handpicked oysters. Um, you were just doing that this morning. Industry. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. The tides are great. Um, when the tides are really low, it's the best way to harvest. Um, and then when the tides are higher, we do things like dredge the oysters, which is basically a rake. But what's cool about oyster farming um, 
you know, you think about a dredge and people have a lot of opinions about that because it sounds like a really awful thing. And actually in many cases it is. But in the case of the oyster farms, the land was only given when it was determined to be fallow. So the land that the oysters are grown on was already known to be non-productive land. So there's nothing that's like coming up in the dredge that's harming the environment. So overall, it's a really sustainable, really delicious, you know, and it is sort of fancy. It's fancy. It's fun. But it's also, I mean, it's white collar, blue collar. Like, I love, it's yeah, everything, I love it. it's like, you know? It's, there's a lot of, lot of dirty work that goes into uh, to making these yeah. delicious things happen. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's just like my grandfather was a lobsterman. And lobster is a, a wonderful delicacy, but it's like, you know, they had lobster and Kellogg's flakes, lobster and mac and cheese, <laughs> lobster and uh, Cape Cod potato chips, like, because that was the cheapest food around. So yeah. it's sort of that, that like highbrow, lowbrow mix. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's part of what makes it really compelling. It's like, like cheese and charcuterie, mm-hmm. you know, it's all like peasant food. Exactly. And now we think of it as delicacies. Exactly. Um, so... Today, uh, are you are you going to be going around the city and talking more about uh, oysters and visiting some of the restaurants and? I, hmm. Here. Thank you. I'm, or are you going to keep chucking mm-hmm. oysters for me? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to just take all these oysters and chuck them for everyone here. I mean, that's it's really my my greatest value. But um, but yeah, in the city, I don't know. You know, I'm from Duxbury, so I tend to blow it out when I'm in the city. Yeah. And about three days of that, and I'm like finished back to, back, back to Duxbury <laughs> but but I love yeah I, I um we sell to a bunch of restaurants here and uh, we don't only sell Island Creeks we sell a lot of other oysters too that come from Cape Cod basically friends of ours mm-hmm. and we sell razor clams and clams which is a whole other conversation because razor yeah. clams are just yeah. bizarre yeah <laughs> <laughs> and amazing I was gonna ask that actually when we we're talking about because uh, I, I last time I was in Boston I, I didn't get a chance to go by Island Creek I'm not sure it was actually open at the time but um I did go to Eastern Standard we're right next door. Stayed at the Commonwealth. I know you guys are next door. Wow. And um, and uh, I was wondering about that. If you open a restaurant, it's like, do you only exclusively sell your oysters? Obviously not. No. But, uh, so, no. It's such a celebration of oysters. It's yeah. like there's so many different ways to consume them and types of oysters. And so we probably have like 12 to 15 varieties on the menu. Yeah. It's a really nice selection. But it's one of the first restaurants that I know of in Boston, that's truly, it's not just farm to table. I mean, it is a farm's restaurant. Yeah. So when my guys catch a bluefish on the fly or they have extra lobsters in their trap, they go up to the restaurant. So the restaurant literally gets an influx of periwinkles and is like, great, uh, what am I going to do with these? So it's nice. like, it's a whole different dynamic, actually. Cool. That's great. I mean, I, like one of uh, my past guests on the show, uh, Allie Shaper from Brooklyn Enology, mm. she has a tasting room. At their at their facilities, and same thing, you know, it's a celebration of everyone doing really cool stuff. She has not only her own great line of wines there, but also other local producers that she really digs. You know, at the times she'll have you know a number of different people there, and yeah. some food, and everything is like local and like together, and makes really great great scene. And I think that's really cool that you guys do that too. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was one of the things when I lived in San Francisco, you know, I used to kind of hate on the local movement because it was so fierce. And I just yeah. got like, I had this be moment an of being about like, it. of being like, you know, Ugh, you know people stop. Can, yeah, people <laughs> but, can really snobby about but it. But at the end of the day, like this, our, our movement that we've created, our generation towards like food and farming and young farmers and 
it's revealed itself in some pretty incredible ways. Like the farmers of Island Creek live in America and they make enough money to yeah. exist and they make a great product. And it's like from every side, it's just like something that everyone can feel really good about and it's community. That's great. I feel really good about having you on the show today, and it's been Don't my absolute good? pleasure. <laughs> Me too. And I'm, I'm almost six oysters deep now, and uh, and I think that now we should go have 30 shots of Fernet. Okay. <laughs> well, if you please. insist. Ah, okay. Well, please come back on the show sometime, Dana. I it's would love to. It's been lovely having you here. Um, we'll do razor clams next absolutely. time. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for the Speakeasy today. We'll see you next week. I'm Damon Bolte. Cheers. Look in his eyes. Oh, man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. That cat is high. Look that look in his eyes. Man, I wouldn't lie. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. The Heritage Meat Shop has just opened in the Essex Street Market. Open from 9 to 7, Monday through Saturday, and 10 to 6 on Sundays, the Heritage Meat Shop supports independent family farms and animal welfare-approved and certified humane raising standards. Most importantly, they offer a wide variety of heritage breeds. So stop by, get a sandwich, try the charcuterie. The Heritage Meat Shop at the Essex Street Market.